Well, I'm thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning and thankful for the opportunity to bring a word, a proclamation, and to continue our sermon series, Give Me Jesus. I'll be preaching this morning from John 15, verses 1 through 8. Listen now for God's word coming to you and for you from John's gospel. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together, be pleasing in your sight. Come, Holy Spirit, whether we are ready or not. Amen. This passage from John's Gospel tells of connections and vines, vines everywhere. And this morning's text is the final I am saying in John's Gospel. It's a part of the farewell discourse. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. And right away, this might sound like a message about judgment. The branches that don't bear fruit are removed. They're trimmed by the vine grower. And even the ones that do bear fruit experience pruning. They don't escape the knife either. Although when I read and interpret this passage, I see less of a theme of judgment and more of a theme of connection and community. The I am statements from John's gospel point to specific points in Jesus' ministry. Jesus feeds 5,000 people and then says, I am the bread of life. Jesus heals a man born blind on the Sabbath, and then Jesus is investigated by the Pharisees regarding this healing, and he says, I am the good shepherd that cares for his flock. He says, I am the gate by which they are saved. In this example, Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples and sits around the table giving them a new commandment, to love one another. They've shared in a meal of lamb and bitter herbs. They've broken bread, and I imagine Jesus looking at a simple glass of wine in front of him and saying, I am the vine, and you are the branches Christ is the vine, ampelos in the Greek, and we are the clamata, 
the climbing, twining branches. Within this metaphor, we see that this abundant life flows into Christ with a Trinitarian connection to God the Father, the vine grower, and the true vine connects into the community of branches. Now, vines and branches have no trouble growing in reality. You've probably seen this. Vines that spin their way up a mailbox or around the trunk of a tree or a trellis or along the side of a shed or a brick wall, unchecked, these vines and branches can grow into a big, tangled mess. And the job of the vine dresser is to order the plant away from chaos and closer towards care. As it's noted, the vine dresser prunes vines for greater growth and cuts away lifeless and unproductive branches. It's also important to note that young vines don't produce any fruit within the first few years. Vineyards are long-term investments. One cannot plant grapes today and enjoy a Chardonnay in a few years or even a few, uh, few decades. We are the branches in this picture. It's our call to abide, to endure, to hold out, to be steadfast, just as God's presence is steadfast in community. Jesus references this mutual abiding later in the passage as well. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Sometimes the commentary or interpretation can center too much on bearing fruit as the litmus test of Christian piety. New Testament professor Sarah S. Heinrich suggests that bearing fruit does not create disciples, but bearing fruit reveals disciples. Instead, the words of the text seem to be meeting a felt need within the world. Last month, the New York Times op-ed cited U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who referenced that about 50% of Americans are experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Loneliness cuts across other boundaries that often differentiate us, introverts and extroverts, the rich and the poor, the young and the old. Most of us are looking for community and connection. I know that I felt the sting of this from time to time, and I would consider myself a fairly personable and extroverted person with all of the qualifiers that should eliminate me for the potential of loneliness. Happily married, intact relationships with family, healthy working relationships. I find myself busier than ever at times, more connected than ever, but recognizing the difference between social connection and real, true, authentic community. A friend of mine articulated this in regard to a particular tragedy that he experienced in his life. His wife had lost a member of her family, and he shared about the kind folks from her little country church that mailed in condolence cards and loaded their car after the funeral with casseroles. But no one ever called from their home church. 
They shared the information, but they didn't make a big fuss about it. They didn't call and ask for a visit, but no one from their peer group ever stopped by their house. And they thought, if the situation were reversed, whose house would we go to? And they couldn't name anyone. Growing in community is complex and challenging. It does take effort and intentionality. At times, it takes the vulnerability to say, I'm feeling isolated and alone, and I'd like to have someone here to listen. Or, if it's okay with you, I'd like to come by and visit with you to let you know that I care about you. We care for one another because we're grafted in this vine together. We are branches connected to the true vine of Christ, but there is no branch comparison. Instead, as Susan Paolo Cherwin shares, the power of love and abundant life that flows from God into Christ flows also into the community that gathers around Christ and partakes of Christ. Who can tell exactly where the vine stops and the branches begin? Within this Give Me Jesus series, we should be reminded that the Christian faith is never just me and Jesus, or never just you and Jesus. Instead, the power of this metaphor in all of John's I am statements, as Barbara Essex states, they all point to relationships with God, with Jesus, and with one another. The Christian life is to be lived as branches connected to the vine. But branches also serve as a source of life by way of the true vine. We recognize that we are not God, we are not Christ, but we are called to act in a Christ-like manner. Just as the vine and the branches sustain life together, we are called to live in community. Jesus modeled this throughout his ministry. And yes, there were times where Jesus went off for prayer and meditation and rest on his own, but when he was about his father's business, it was bringing people together, engaging people from various diverse backgrounds and sharing in deep friendships. Yes, solitude is a necessary part of a thriving community as well, but the Western church is really leaning heavily into the belief that we must learn to be alone before we can learn to be with someone. When it comes to matters of community, it's hard for us to really even imagine what a thriving community should look like. In order to be it, we first must see it. Strangely, much research suggests that as we grow older and more mature, our independence often overtakes the necessity for a community. Jokingly, it's been said that the greatest miracle of the life of Jesus is having 12 close friends in his 30s. Our lives are more meaningful, more beautiful with community. 
dropping off coffee, sending texts about that big meeting at work, picking up each other's kids, volunteering for VBS, chaperoning a student ministry event, praying for each other's parents, holding each other's babies, talking late into the evening, reading and discussing scripture, and showing up when life happens. We abide with one another in these times, and Christ is surely present as well. Community and relationships are the trellis in which vines can grow. We will often be tempted to go it alone because people are messy, and I have my goals, and I know this stuff will just slow me down. None of us want one more thing to show up to, but almost all of us are looking for something with which to belong. An article from Baptist News Global from Susan Metz in 2021 said that Americans have fewer trusted relationships than they used to. In 2006, researchers at Duke found that the number of people Americans had important conversations with dropped from three in 1985 to two in 2006. And today, it gets worse. A quarter of Americans said they have no one to talk to about important matters. We're the most connected civilization that's ever existed in the history of the world. I can pick up my phone and FaceTime with someone on the other side of the world. I can keep up with folks that I haven't talked to in years and see what they had for dinner last night on social media. And two years ago, Japan and England both launched government-appointed ministers of loneliness and isolation. These are members of their respective cabinets working alongside ministers of health and agriculture and education. We've got a problem of loneliness and disconnection. It's a global one, but many would suggest that Americans are uniquely predisposed to isolation due to our propensity toward individualism. And yet, we believe we are designed by God for connection, for understanding, and friendship. So as we study and worship and engage in learning about the life and the ministry of Jesus, let us not overlook the call of Jesus for us to be connected. Yes, connected to the true vine of Christ in prayer and devotion but also connected to fellow branches in encouragement and support and healthy relationships and congregational care. In this care, we act as nurturers, fellow pilgrims on the journey, not as ones with all the answers. Through this connection and action, we do not manifest through fruit through our own effort, but bear fruit as a natural byproduct of our connection. Meister Eckhart wrote that plums bring forth plums not by an act of will, but because it is its nature to do so. And in a like manner, we as a worshiping, embodied Christian community gather around Christ. And if truly focused on Christ, we bear godly fruit such as compassion and mercy and loving kindness and patience and wisdom love. 
And all of these virtues, these fruits, they're invitational. They're encouraging to the lonely. We are to be about these things. Our connection to the vine gives us energy and life more abundant. And it is good and right for us to bear fruit of our very nature, offered freely for the life of the world. And in order to grow, we have to mature through spiritual disciplines like prayer and worship, interpretation and study of scripture, devotional time with God and growing in our relationship with Christ. We don't want to have the same type of relationship, spiritual relationship, that we did a decade ago. We want to grow stronger in our faith connection. And the same can be said with our relationships with one another. As we grow older and more mature, our relationships should evolve as well. A thriving, healthy relationship should stand in stark contrast to a mere connection. The call of the church is to be grafted in the true vine of Christ and to bear fruit for the benefit of the world. This is not a new development in Christian life. One of the first hymns that I ever learned was, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And I had always assumed this was a southern hymn, maybe from Alabama or Georgia. We would sing this at my home church after the serving of communion, and we would link hands together, connected, grafted in the vine as fellow branches on this journey. We would gently sway to the tune of the hymn. This hymn is not an American one. It's not from the American South. It's from John Fawcett of Yorkshire, England. He lived a challenging life, including being orphaned at the age of 12. He pastored a small country Baptist church in Yorkshire for seven years. And he received a call to a larger, wealthier, more prominent church in London. And following the announcement of leaving that church, he wrote these words from the third stanza of that hymn. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. Cole Arthur Riley in her book, This Here Flesh, puts it this way. The whole cosmos is predicated on a diverse and holy community. And if we bear the image of God, that means we bear the image of a multitude, of three-in-one community. To bear the image of God in its fullness, we need each other. It's never just me and Jesus. It's never just you and Jesus. It's always us and Jesus. There's a whole world full of lonely people ourselves included, longing for someone to show Jesus to them, longing for the revealed fruit from discipleship in the form of community and a listening ear. For the good of the church, for the health of the world, and to heal your woes as well, let us be as Christ to one another in friendship and in community. Amen.